I would like us to pray, Bazalwane, this morning. Just join me in prayer for a few moments. Babongwele, uh, now we have gathered. We thank you for the word. We thank you for the anointing that flows from your word. For your word is not just any literature, but it's the word that has the breath of heaven. It has the breath of God, and it is able to transform. It is able to uh, impart life and faith and strength and hope to us. And Father, even as we study this morning and we, as we share scripture, open the eyes of your people. Let the Holy Spirit be upon your people. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to perceive, minds to understand. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope uh, my voice is, uh, is loud enough for you to hear me. Uh, one of the things as we begin today, Bazalwani, which I want you to know, it's a great thing to know seasons and times and the clock of God. There is a, a clock on earth that we use. According to mine, it's 10 past 9. But there is a clock in heaven. Uh, that God uses. In other words, every, uh, according to Ecclesiastes, there is a, a time for every purpose. In other words, there are seasons uh, in which God fulfills certain things in the earth. Uh, there's a scripture that says he does not do anything in the earth um, until it's been uh, shown and revealed to his prophets, mm. his servants, the prophets. Amen. Mm. So there are seasons uh, in which things happen in the earth. Unkulunkulu is never late. He's always on time. He's never frustrated. He, he sees everything and he knows everything. And he is big in charge and he is in control. Amen. So one thing you must understand now is the fact that uh, we have entered into a season of, of the harvest of souls. What is in the heart of the Father is, uh, is to see a harvest of nations, a harvest uh, of souls. That is what is in the heart of the Lord. Yeah. So it is important that we, we, we understand that uh, as his people, we must always be flowing with what he is, um, the same, the same, the same flow that heaven is in. That's where we should be as the body of Christ. That's why we said the other day, we must be able to speak from God, to speak from God, not just to speak for God, uh, but to speak from Him. In other words, we flow, uh, we become the extension of His heart, the extension of His will, so that we don't just get to do what we want to do here, but we do everything according to its time and season. When things are done according to time and season, you will always find that the Lord will always, uh, his hand will abound in that thing. So even when it comes to the preaching of the word, we shouldn't just preach because we just like preaching uh, or teaching the word. We, there's always the end game. There's always that thing which the Lord God is working to see happen in that particular generation and that particular season in Jesus' name. Now, according to the gospel of Matthew, Chapter 9, uh, verses 36 to verse 38. 
The Bible says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It's Matthew 9. Now, I, I want you to know that before the harvest that the Lord talks about in this particular passage of Scripture, before it takes place, laborers must be prepared. Uh, not more in terms of skill and ability, but more in terms of attitude. Uh, the heart must be prepared. Many people who would reach out to the world, they just don't have the conviction. Uh, they're not just convinced that, you know, Jesus is the type of brand that must be taken out there with passion. So the first thing that should happen is that the, the, the saints, the church, the body of Christ must be prepared. And uh, the harvest shall not happen until... Uh, Christians are fully convinced about their own Jesus. We must be fully convinced about our own Jesus. Because how do, we, how do we take him? How do we share? How do we evangelize? How do we bring in the harvest? If we are hesitant <clears throat> and tentative. So our approach in winning the lost will always be, uh, will match our attitude towards the harvest in general, uh, who Jesus is, uh, do we know what to do with Jesus? Uh, if that has not happened in the body of Christ, uh, the world will remain the way it is and they are doomed to go to hell until the church of Jesus Christ is captured. Uh, their hearts are captured. We are fully convinced uh, that he is worth sharing that he is worth sharing with the world, that he is the savior of the world. So what we have also known is that not every generation, uh, Bazalwan, uh, gets to fully cooperate with the Father. Not every generation in the earth, from the beginning of time, not every generation gets to fully cooperate with heaven so that what the Father wants to see happen in that generation gets done. There will be generations who will join hands with heaven. They will ensure that their individual lives are aligned with the will of the Father. Their families, they will do whatever it takes to ensure that their marriages are aligned with the will of the Father. Their families are aligned with the will of the Father. And there will be an extension from, uh, from individual to, to, to marriage, to family. Then it goes out to society. Their passion in those generations was to ensure that that which was in the heart of the Father for that generation, because we were born at a particular time to fulfill something for our generation, in our generation. When that is done, when we have done and finished our job, we can <clears throat> say the words of Paul the Apostle, that I've run the race, I've finished my cause and my purpose on earth. Now I can go home, uh, if paraphrased. So every generation uh, has to cooperate with the Lord. 
So in that generation, there must be people who are able to know in the midst of all our challenges, of all our problems, of all the noise that the world system uh, brings and the busyness of life, there must be people, there must be a breed of Christians who are able to pierce through the noise and through the chaos, through the darkness in the earth, and they tuned their ear to hear what the heart of the Father is saying for their generation. And from that point onwards, they would live for nothing else but to ensure that that which He wants to do in their generation gets done, whatever it costs, whatever it takes. So that's why we are at family this morning in the name of Jesus. That's what we are uh, confronted with. That is our preoccupation to be able to know the heart of the Father. So different generations uh, of the church have, have not therefore always given him what he's looking for. They, if you check even when it comes to what they call revivals, and visitations uh, if you check the history of the church in a generation there will be one or two men or women who would lift up their hands they would uh, arise out of obscurity and chaos and choose to die to themselves not that they didn't have challenges not that they didn't have problems not that they didn't have things which were personal uh, that they had to deal with in their own lives but they chose to lay their lives on the altar to say, Lord, I do not know how long I have here. I don't know how many years I have been given, but whatever is left of my time here on earth, can you place your fire, the fire that you placed upon that bush in the desert? Because if you could place a fire upon a bush, Surely you can place a fire upon your own people washed in the blood. So they reach out their hands and they say, Lord, use me. So that's what happened in all the revivals in, in Azusa Street and everything that you have known. And there were people who were willing to pierce through the darkness. So if we are going to wait until everything is perfect for us to lift up our hands and to say, Father, I'm here. Uh, place your anointing because one thing also that must be clear family no one was born with the with the grace to to care for the dying world for 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 sinners for wicked people who swear at God you know people who who go out of their way to make sure that they they they, they just do every they break every rule no yet the father gives us a heart for such people no one has, has naturally would have a heart for an offender, for someone who really is just a, a nuisance in society. But the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him, whosoever amongst them believes in Him, should not perish, but have eternal life. So he loved the world to the extent that he would give his own son to die for them. Now, if we are of his DNA, if we are of the Father, he is our Father. Remember that, that prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If we are of the Father and we take after him, 
then whatever he is, whoever he is, however he feels, that's what he imparts to us. So he gives us a heart that I would not have in the natural. Mm. I wouldn't care if a rapist dies and goes to hell. I mean, who cares? I want them to go to hell, naturally speaking, because we are human. Mm. We want vengeance. We want, we want justice, yet in our own terms, not in his terms. But what I'm saying is, naturally speaking, I wouldn't care less if they went to hell and they got punished for their sin. In my mind, that's what they deserve. They should have it. And they should have it big. If I were God, there would be charcoal while working on earth already. But I am not God. He's gracious. I am just man. His heart, his love for the human race is beyond description. This is why he doesn't speak the way that I do. This is why he has to change my heart so that I feel for the world the way that he does. Because if I were to occupy the little spot for uh, just one moment, everybody would be destroyed in one moment. So the, the Father changes our hearts. He gives us a passion. He gives us love to love the unlovable. Uh, to hug the unhuggable and to reach those whom no one else would dare reach, only those who have his spirit in them. So what the father is looking for then, family, is uh, are people in every generation, every generation, people who would see beyond their circumstances, people who would see and look beyond that which they are surrounded by, in the name of Jesus, so that at the end of the day, the Lord receives his inheritance. The Lord receives his portion. So what is he looking for, family? Uh, what does God look for in a generation? According to scriptures, uh, the Lord Jesus, he came solely uh, to give people eternal life. Everything that happens after that is they are additional, it added the benefits. But at the root, at the core of the mission of the Lamb is eternal life for nations. Uh, so after saving them from sin, he gives them eternity, eternal life. Now what is happening, he is pouring out his spirit upon his people so that we can bring many to relationship with him so that they can have eternal life. That, was, that is what is in the heart of the Father. That is what the Bible relates to us in the name of Jesus. So if, if you want to know the primary purpose of why Jesus came, which I shared also briefly on Wednesday, is so that nations families, individuals, grandma, grandpa, mom and dad, boy and girl, when their spirit leaves the body, they will experience eternity in the presence of Elohim. They will live forever in the presence of the King of glory, the creator of all things. That is what is in the heart of the Father. So what I'm saying this morning, we have a responsibility. Uh, all the things that we learn in church, everything almost that we study in the Bible about prayer, about repentance, all the stuff that we, 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 we get to know and all the revelations, 
they boil down to two things, which I will share at 12 in, 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 in our prayer this, uh, today. That there are two types of inheritances. I'm just doing an introduction, Mazanet, because I need to carry on with what do we do with Jesus in 2020 and beyond. But everything boils down to this. We must receive our inheritance through what Jesus Christ did on the cross through his blood. And the Lord must receive his inheritance. So our being able to pray correctly, our repentance, our repentance uh, place us in a position whereby we can begin to engage with heaven. There is no wall, there is no barrier, there is nothing that stands between God and ourselves. So uh, it removes sin. Why? So that we can begin to possess our inheritance. And we can also, because we have legitimacy and our credentials in the spirit are such that we can then begin to ensure that his inheritance, his portion is, 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 is given to him. He has it. It boils down to those things. There's two things. It's our inheritance and his inheritance. Every revelation and everything you'll ever learn at the end of the day, the, the Lord must receive his inheritance, which are nations, which are souls. And we also must get to enjoy life the way that it's been preordained for us. We must, we must, we must walk in health. We must walk in, in, in power and authority. But all those things are there so that we then can do two things. One, possess our inheritance and ensure that he receives also his inheritance in the earth. So... We were, every generation is meant to ensure that wherever they are, they preach the gospel. Not so that we can get blessed. At the end of the day, the church must leave the building and begin to impact and influence those around them. Because as I sit here talking to you, family, someone has just died. Someone has just died somewhere. And I cannot do anything about it. If they died and go to and went to hell, I can't do anything about it. Ours is to ensure that we are so careful not to have just a blessed time on earth and we shut out the very people that the Lord God has got us saved to be conscious of. That salvation does not just become me living a holy life and dying and going to heaven. But part of it, a major part of it, when the Lord saves me, he has nations at heart. He has many people at the back of his mind. So we, uh, the Holy Spirit, that is what he is doing at this time, family. Because you and I will have been raised in an environment that was very religious, that was Sunday-oriented, that a, a, a born-again believer, Church became the headquarters of spirituality. Church became this place that you go to to show and prove that you are saved. Yet everybody goes to church. You know, the, the, the worst of people, um, all, all sinners go to church. Because the fact that you go to church doesn't really mean anything. If, 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 if that which the Lord wants you and me to do, that is, you know, doesn't uh, materialize and it's not done. So I want you to have that understanding as we approach this word this morning uh, that the Lord God wants people 
to be harvested. They, they are laborers that he wants to send out. But it's not happening because the church doesn't know what to do with their own Jesus. The church of Jesus Christ, a, a, a good number of people uh, who are said to be Christian today, all over the world, they don't know what to do with Jesus outside the church building. A great number of people today who are born again, who go to church every Sunday, they don't know what to do with church beyond their answered prayer. In other words, once the Lord has answered my prayer, I don't know what to do with him because in my mind, the Lord existed for two things. Number one, so that I can, I can be with him in a church building. But once I leave the church building, most people leave him in the church building and lock him in there. He does not follow them to the mall. He does not follow them to the school, to their workplace. He shouldn't follow them to their own houses. That's why most people, when, uh, when the, the, the pastor says, Amen, the service is over, they would step out into the parking lot and they start swearing. They're fighting with the, the, the car guard because Jesus has been locked in the church building. As far as they are concerned, Jesus, uh, the only thing to do with Jesus is to take him, put him in that church building, worship him right there, and then when it's done, keep him there, and then go out and do your own thing. This is why most people, uh, from Monday to Saturday, they just behave as if they are not saved. Why? Because we don't know what to do with Jesus outside the church building. Mm -hmm. And most people don't know what to do with Jesus beyond their, 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 their answered prayer. Once your prophet, once your apostle uh, lays your hand on you, which what is the popular uh, gospel out there, uh, we, there's lots, lots of numbers uh, in these auditoriums. Everybody in there, they relate with that particular ministry on the basis of them meeting their need. In other words, I'm here so that you can meet my need. Yeah. It is on that basis that they even would say they are Christian once that uh, prayer is answered, okay, I become a Christian, but on the basis that something was answered, but I don't relate with the Lord on any other basis. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do with Jesus beyond that. That's what the majority of people are. That is why the quality of the church, you know, the same as uh, the, the first century uh, uh, Christians. Mm -hmm. How many Christians today can die for Jesus? How many Christians today can lay their lives down uh, at gunpoint for the lamb? Because we, the breed, the caliber of, of Christians today do not know what to do with Jesus. So family, we first need to know what to do with Jesus ourselves. Because if we are called to be laborers to go out there and impact the world, if we are not convinced ourselves, what to do with Jesus? How are we going to even convince the people out there that he is worth following? Our passion for him is not at the level where the people begin to see us. They say, yo, those people are so radical, so on fire. They are so in love with their Lord Jesus. It, it, you know, it, it becomes contagious. It becomes so visible that we, we are in love and that we serve him and that we are so fully convinced of who he is. You know that uh, most people today, Bazalwan, 
We know more and we value earthly names more than we value Jesus. We, 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 we know what to do with earthly names more than we do with Jesus Christ. We don't know what to do with Jesus. Uh, so what should happen is Jesus should first be relocated from our mind to our heart. We must really, uh, family, uh, even on an individual basis, on your own, begin to ask yourself certain questions, which I did many years ago. I got saved in 1990, almost 30 years ago or so. There was a time when I, you know, I joined a church, so I, I began doing what they were doing, which is very, you know, it's good, but it's, it can be very dangerous because you can be, become part of the, of the culture, yet without having an experience in your heart. You can learn when to lift up your hands at the right time, which dances to do for, for particular songs and the protocols within the church building yet without anything happening in your own heart, which is what is happening today, family. This is why you must be connected to a house that will uh, take us back to the, you know, the, the very original and the very foundation of that which the Father wants the, the, the church to be and to do. So at the time, there was a time I remember was in the, what we called a dining room. <laughs> I was, I was praying, and then I found myself, I just got up, because I was just, just mumbling words uh, routinely. It was mechanical. I was like a robot, because I was like, I had to pray, but I, I, my heart was not there. So I got up and I said, Lord, what is prayer? What am I doing? Now, not many people in life would pray like that. I I have a personality like that with the Lord, and um, over the years, that's just, you know, that's how I, I've grown. So I got up and I sat down. I said, Lord, what is, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I, I'm, my heart is just dry. I don't know what I'm doing. So what is prayer? Why, 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 why must I even pray? That, that's exactly what I said. Why must I even pray at all? Why, why, why must I pray? Now, if you are religious... Um, and you don't have a certain, but I think God gives that to, I don't know if, if God would give that to everybody, but I, I, I have that grace uh, to be honest with him and to, so that I, I, I can walk with him. And from that moment, the Lord began to reveal to me what prayer was. Mm -hmm. And I began to understand why I was kneeling. It is at that time that I stopped closing my eyes when I prayed. 95% of the time when I pray, I don't close my eyes because that's what was revealed to me, that you close your eyes so that there's no destruction. So when you're on your own, there's no point to close your eyes. That's what was revealed to me, and uh, I, I've learned to do that. So what I'm saying to you is that we need to get to a place, family, where the Lord relocates from our head just to do the mechanical you know, the formula, the, 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 the protocols, to a place where you can speak with him from your heart. If you are reading the Bible and it's just dead, and after reading two verses, you just yawn and you feel like falling asleep, because of your love for him and because of the transparency in the relationship and the openness in the relationship, you can say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? I know that it's your will for me to read this. Can you open my eyes and open my heart 
for me to be able to, and he begins to do it. All right. So what we are saying is, in our hearts, Bazalwane, the name of Jesus must carry more value. That's where it begins. Forget about even evangelizing the world. Many people do, but it's, it's, it's mechanical. It's not out of conviction. If it's not out of conviction, it shall not be sustained. It will only last and it will become a culture of a ministry when it flows from your heart and not just from a program because it's on a church calendar that on a particular day we should go out and evangelize. It must, every individual person must not even wait for a church calendar. Once it becomes a conviction, once Jesus takes place in, in the very core of your heart and he has more value than Versace, then Louis Vuitton, then Prada, when Jesus has more value than Hermes and Amani, if Jesus, the Jesus brand must be so valuable and must carry such a meaning to us that we are willing to do everything for him. But as long as these other brands in our, in our very core, if you put Louis Vuitton and you put Jesus, if on the scales of things, Louis Vuitton is heavier, the brand, even in your own soul. These are the things, family, we must deal with. Jesus must occupy the very core of my heart. Everything is on the periphery. Everything begins to dwindle and shrink in significance when Jesus begins to take center stage, when Jesus begins to take the throne. And I remove every other thing. I remove Gucci from the throne. I place Jesus, mm. not saying that all these brands, those, those are beautiful brands, by the way. Those brands come about because of people of excellence, mm. people who want, uh, you know, they are into fashion and, uh, and, and, it's, and it's beautiful. Uh, I would rather have a Gucci than have something from, from whatever shop that's, you know, th those are beautiful. So I, I, I want you to hear me very well. Uh, you, you. I would love to have Gucci. <laughs> I mean, my wife would love to have one. The point is this. Jesus must occupy the center of our being beyond everything else. So if we don't know what to do with Jesus' family, then how, how are we going to invite uh, Jesus to someone who remains if, if, if the same Lord remains a mystery to us? That's the point I'm, try, I'm trying to, to, to make here this morning. Now, Pontius Pilate, I shared about this on Wednesday. I told the Zalwani about the most two questions in the history of the planet to have ever been asked. Uh, I, I shared both of them on Wednesday, but I'm going to focus on just one today. Uh, Pontius Pilate, uh, one day, he asks the crowd, a question that would prove to be the most question ever, ever, ever asked. Because the, the, the question uh, determines a whole lot of things. So in Matthew 27, uh, verse number 22, the Bible says, uh, Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus? What then shall I do with Jesus? who is called Christ. They all said to him, 
let him be crucified. In other words, get rid, get rid of him. Every generation family gets to answer this question. They must answer this question in one way or the other. Because it determines three very important outcomes in our lives. What do I do with Jesus? Every generation must answer that question. Are whoever lived in the first century, whatever century, every generation that ever was, they had to. Because in that generation, someone died and went to hell, and someone died and went to heaven. So this question determines three things. Number one, how we live our lives here. Depending on how you answer the question, what do I do with Jesus? Depending on how you answer it, it would determine how you live your life here and how I live the rest of my life here. Number two, it would determine for whom I live my life here. The question is, what then do I do with Jesus who is called Christ? A businessman must answer that question. And an engineer must answer that question. A multimillionaire, whoever you are in whatever station in life, you must answer that question. That that thing that uh, that question determines is where will you spend eternity? Depending on how I answer the question, so three things. Number one, it determines how I live my life here. Number two, for whom I live, because I can choose to live my life for myself. Mm. For whom we live our lives. Number three, where we will spend eternity. Mm. In other words, in the afterlife, what is going to happen with our soul uh, going forward? So it is the most important question. This is why this particular a service which is online this morning we are looking at that because if we as God's people are not sure what to do with Jesus Pilate didn't wasn't was not sure what to do with him but we are the people who should know exactly what to do with our savior what to do with the lamb of God Jesus Christ so Bazalwane, we we need to do with Christ today, what they did with him in the first century. Whatever we do with Jesus today must be what they did. Even the first 12 apostles and the 120 in the upper room, when the Holy Spirit of God fell upon them on the day of Pentecost, mm -hmm. whatever they did with Jesus, that's exactly what we must do in 2020, going beyond with Jesus. So, we do with Jesus what he expects us to do with him. In other words, the, he, he knows that his presence in our lives must produce something. But it is in our interaction with him that that is, uh, that is produced. As we receive revelation from the Lord, we get to know what to do with him. Say amen. So this is what I want us to discuss, uh, family, today. See, to understand, I wanted to, to, to get this, to understand what to do with Jesus, we must understand his primary purpose. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do I know what to do with a kettle? 
because I need to understand what, what, what its purpose is. How do I know how to handle a camera? Because I need to know what its purpose is. So if we do not know the Lord's primary purpose for him coming to earth, we will abuse, underuse, and misuse him. And we will not know what to do with him. We will always, from, from now until we die, be going to church, just praying, giving our offering, opening the Bible, you know, just blessing each other, having our muffins and scones, and nothing more. So for us to be able to do with Jesus what he expects us to do with him in 2020, we must know his very uh, reason for coming. What did he come to accomplish? What was his primary purpose? So in Matthew chapter 1, uh, the scripture which I shared also on Wednesday, chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. The Bible says now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. Now listen to the last three lines. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will. Now, now you need to know what the Lord was meant to do when he came here. The angel says when he gets born, he will save his people from their sins. That is Jesus' primary reason for coming. That's what he came to do. Jesus came primarily to deal with human sin. Jesus came to deal with human sin. Everything else is secondary. Everything else that we know is sec the main thing about Jesus. To the extent that if somebody presents Jesus to you and they, they, they say nothing about Jesus having to forgive your sin. And so they bypass the issue of sin and they talk to you about uh, he's a healer. He will give you your stuff. No, no, no. See, that's secondary. The main thing, when you confront Jesus, his primary mission is to deal with human sin. He must deal with human sin. So what is the first thing that we do with Jesus? We allow him to save us from our sins. So my children, as they sit here, when we introduce, when I introduced, uh, introduced the Lord to Gwenza, to Joshua, to Levi and Nandi, we must introduce him as someone who is the only one who is able to deal with their sin. Beyond a blessing, beyond a breakthrough, I mean, just before any of those things happen, when we meet with Jesus Christ, 
his primary mission. I want to drive that point to you because we must be prepared to, to deal with the world and to impact the world. But we ourselves must be sober. We must know exactly who we are carrying. We must know exactly who we are carrying and what his primary purpose is in this life in Jesus' name. So sin is the only threat to your afterlife. I mean, not only your afterlife, but the afterlife of the, of the many millions of people all over the world. So in 2020, therefore, uh, people must understand that Jesus is the only one who is, he's the only one qualified to save them from sin because sin is the wall, the wall between me and eternal life. Sin is the wall between the world and eternal life. So Jesus came to die so that he could break that wall. Jesus came to bring the wall down so that the wall that keeps me from experiencing eternity with God is broken. Now, that is what should be known. I've got other things to cover this morning in Jesus' name. So in the age, family, of artificial intelligence, in the age of the Internet of Things and, and the robotics and, and 3D printing, by the way, 3D printing cannot uh, print another heaven for you. A heaven that exists without Jesus. So in the midst of technology and all science, you, you cannot bypass Jesus. Uh, we are living in the age of transhumanism, which I'm going to explain briefly to you in a few moments. But Bazalwan, until this day, no one else has been able to guarantee eternal life to a generation other than Jesus. No one other than the Lamb of God has been able to guarantee eternal life to anyone than Jesus Christ. So Jesus will, will, will be irrelevant. He will only be irrelevant when humanity is able to achieve eternal life without him. Let me repeat that. So we must tell uh, uh, our children and the generation in which we live, that, and you must yourself be convinced about this fact. Jesus will only be irrelevant when, when, he, when he is declared he is irrelevant now. It is, it, it's going to be the day when the world has found another way to eternal life with God other than Jesus. Until such a time, Jesus shall always be relevant because eternity cannot be achieved without him. Until then, we have everything to do with Jesus Christ. What do I do with Jesus? Everything. Because without Jesus Christ in 2020, in 2025, in 2045, without Jesus Christ, I have no eternity. I have no eternal life. I will die and spend uh, eternity in hell. It's eternal life and eternal damnation in hell. So I want us to understand, family, what they are trying to do now. They are trying to achieve what they call immortality without Jesus. That's what transhumanism is about. is to try to have a, a, a to, to prolong your stay here as long as possible 
uh, according to them, they want to be here kind of forever. So what they are trying to do, they, there's a new thing, and, and, and they're working at it even as we speak. It's called transhumanism. Uh, it is an attempt to enhance human abilities, uh, to be smarter, to be stronger, to be faster. Uh, this this they, they, they do, the experiments being conducted even as we speak, uh, they combine human physiology and uh, advanced technology. So you combine those two things together, so it gives a human being capabilities, uh, something that you would see in, 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 um, in superheroes, for instance. So they want to ensure that they live here longer than God, the creator, had uh, assigned, the time assigned uh, to them by the creator. They want to live beyond that. They, they don't care about God. They, they, they are saying we can be God all by ourselves. We have the advantage of science. We have the advantage of, of advanced technology. Who needs God when you can uh, stretch your life beyond that which he had assigned to you? So that is what they are trying to do. Uh, they, they will do this family to try and achieve what they call immortality without Christ. But I tell you today it shall not happen because God remains the creator of the heavens. God the remains the creator of the earth. God is in charge and God shall not be mocked. That's exactly what happened with the Tower of Babel. There is so much in scripture that we have not discussed. That's what happened in the Tower of, Bible, of, 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 of Babel because they were trying to uh, do something beyond the realm which God had assigned to them in their own strength yeah. using a, a demonic technology which they used when they created those pyramids in Egypt. There's a topic for another day. But all we are saying is that there is an attempt to do away with Jesus. The enemy wants every generation to ask this question in, in, in a kind of mocking way. What do I do with Jesus? I, we live in the 20, 21st century. Uh, we, we, we are so advanced. The Bible is an outdated book written thousands of years ago. Even the language used there is outdated. You know, I mean, what, what do we do with the Bible? Even they, 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 they use the words, um, is it homophobic? You know, the, the Bible is homophobic. The Bible is, uh, you know, it, it just talks about men. It does not allow for women to take their place. And there's a lot of stuff that they say about the Bible uh, to the point where you have to ask yourself the question, really, what do I do with Jesus except going to church? What else do I do with Jesus? No, there's much to do with Jesus until their technology is able to deal and come with a cure for human sin. Until the day that technology and engineering can sort out the human soul, then Jesus will be irrelevant. The second thing, family, uh, I'm looking at time. The second thing we do with Jesus, uh, we go to him for those things that money cannot buy. I'm going to pace myself now because of time. We go to him for those things that money cannot buy. Things that technology cannot create. Mm. Things that science cannot produce. Mm. Things that fame cannot get you. Things that your social st status cannot get you. 
If there be such things at all, family, then Jesus will forever be relevant. If there are things in this life that technology cannot get you, that science, that fame, that money cannot buy you, then Jesus will forever be relevant. Because such things, um, you would not be bribed. You, I mean, you cannot bribe your way to have them. You cannot bribe your way to have peace, for instance. You cannot bribe your way to have them. So as long as there are these, I'm going to mention about three of them today, then we close. That will prove to you that in 2045, in 2060, I don't know, maybe the cars will be flying. Maybe they will have achieved a, a, some degree, there will be progress in terms of their transhumanism. But even at that point, people will still be dying and going to hell. Because in 2050 and 2060, Jesus will still be relevant. Because at that time, only Jesus will be able to deal with sin. Because he came to deal with sin so that humanity could have eternal life. No one else. There is no formula for that other than Jesus. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one goes to the Father except through me. I'm sure they are very frustrated. They wish they could have a formula and some ingredients whereby they could bypass God and just go straight to eternity without God and still enjoy it. Jesus. But it, that's not how it's been structured. That's not how it's been made. So, family, there will still be something to do with Jesus even during the fifth industrial revolution going beyond. What are those things that money cannot buy? Number one is what we call peace. I don't know, you can be the best scientist, whatever you are, whatever, you know, what I would love for some of you to be, there's nothing wrong with it. But there are things which money cannot buy. Mm -hmm. One of them is called peace. Peace is a, is a mystery. Peace only comes from the Father. And the Bible says, peace I live with you, Jesus told them. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives you, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 14, 27. If there is anything that the world will never be able to get a formula yeah. for, it's what we call peace. No matter how many friends you have, no matter your, your fame in the world, that will always prove to be elusive. Because only heaven can issue it and give it to a human soul. Only Jesus will give you that. I don't care how many millions you get to uh, amount and you, you know, you, 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 you collect and all those things. But only heaven will give you that. And Ephesians 2.14 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Mm. Philippians 4.7 and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through, through Jesus Christ. Not through anything else, not through any other brand, but through Jesus. And the last one on peace, Colossians 3.15, it says, And let the peace of God rule 
the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. The second thing, family, and I'm going to stop here, then I, I, I pray, is what we call life. Now, that is a sermon on its own to explain to you what that means. But life comes from the Father because you can be surrounded, as I've always told, with things, but life will still be elusive. You will not enjoy life. But the Bible says in John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, Jesus says, and that they may have it more abundantly. See, he cuts out whatever money can buy, a car. He says, I've come that they might have life because only he can give that. Only he can give life. And John 10, 28, it says, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. And finally, he says, uh, the Bible says in Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So family, should you decide in the future for whatever reason, God forbid, that somehow uh, you, you, you now want to stop serving the Lord and stop, and, and stop walking with him. You better be sure that your money, your relationship, your fame, whatever it is, will give you eternal life. Otherwise, Jesus will always be relevant. I'm, I'm about to close, family. He asked that question, Pontius Pilate, how powerful the question is. What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, crucify him. Let him be crucified. That's what the generation is saying today about Jesus crucifying. That's what the system is saying. But I want you to know, family, that in 2020, what we can do with Jesus is to give. That's what we should tell the world. Give him your sin. In 2030, let's tell the world, give him your sin. In 2045, give him your sin. Because in 2045, only Jesus will be able. On, he's the only one who is able to deal with it. Yes, and, and, and take off the burden and the weight of sin off our shoulders. And, and, and pull it out of our soul. Mm -hmm. So that we can spend eternity with God. So I want your family to learn these things. Uh, should they ask you what to do with Jesus, go to him for peace. Yeah. Now in 2020 and in 2025 and beyond, Jesus is the only one who is able to give the world peace. Go to Jesus for eternal life. Jesus gives us what money cannot buy. This is what the world should know. If you know what to do with Jesus, you will be able to tell the world what to do with him. So I want all of us this day to be fully convinced that Jesus is everything. He is more than we ever thought. We need him more than we ever needed him before. I know uh, that's how I grew up. We've just been going to church, just enjoying the services. But I want Jesus in your individual personal lives to occupy a place. A center place, yeah. central place in your life that he never occupied before. 
You cannot represent him family unless we do this. Now I'm about to close. It says, go therefore, it tells them, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And look, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, as we are getting ready to pray, one of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Revelation. Uh, when I read the book of Revelation, I'm always reminded of how things will end mm. and how I'm supposed to uh, behave today and, 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 and be doing life in the present. I love the book of Revelation. Now, as, just before I pray, let me just read this, then I will pray. Revelation 20 says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Mm -hmm. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Mm -hmm. Family, let's go and share the gospel. Let's go and share the gospel. Let's be convinced who he is. When we are convinced, they will be convinced. Yeah. Now, Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you. We were never in doubt because we know who you are, but we thank you for the grace that you always open our eyes to see clear yes. and to know you more and more each day. And Father, I pray for all of us, with me included. Let be a revelation of Jesus Christ. The best revelation a human being will ever have is the revelation of the Son of God, of who Jesus is. For if we know who you are, we will get to know your heart and your will for us in the end. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that your hand be upon your people, that we begin from this day to step out into the world as new people, fully convinced that, yes, in the fourth industrial revolution, in the days of, of much technology and, and advancement, Jesus remains at the core. Jesus remains at the center. Father, we thank you now in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 Say hallelujah. hallelujah. 